Hello and welcome to the Righteous Remnant podcast. If you'd like to support our ministry or find out more about us, you can do so at therighteousremnant.org. All right, this is Dennis from the Righteous Remnant. Welcome. This week we are in the middle of a fast. Um, we started the fast on May seventh. This is not, you know, just us, but there are tens of thousands of people that are joining this fast specifically for the nation of Israel. We are praying for the Jewish people to come to know Jesus as their true Messiah. Um, and um, we're praying this because we believe that this is the will of the Lord. All right. And I want to encourage everyone, um, join in this fast. I always try to encourage people, join in, especially when there's national fasts. Try and join in, even if you don't quite understand why we're doing this. Fast according to your faith, okay? So you don't need to um, fast more than you have the faith to fast. Like if you try and do a really difficult fast, but you don't know why you're doing it, it's just going to be really hard and you're not going to have grace to do it. Um, So you fast according to your faith. Like if you feel like you can handle... um, you know, uh, uh, a low end fast, then yeah, do it, do what you can. If that's just fasting media or if that's fasting, you know, video games, or if it's fasting, um, desserts, you know, or a meal a day or something like that, these are kind of low, low end type of fast, but Hey, if that's where your faith is at in this area, yeah, join in with that, you know, and if you have strong faith in this area for this, you really desire this, then do a more challenging fast. But I always encourage believers to fast according to their faith. All right. So, um, I'm doing a Daniel fast, <clears throat> Many other people are. That's kind of like the the baseline fast that is kind of recommended. If you can do a Daniel fast, join in with us on that. But today, because we're praying and fasting for Israel, um, we started on May seventh. We're going for twenty one days. Um, I wanted to give four reasons why we should pray and fast for Israel. All right, and I'm gonna get take all of this from various scriptures. But I think that this is an area where many Christians don't really understand what is the significance of Israel today. Why should we be praying and fasting for Israel? That's not something that I'm really familiar about. Well, good. Well, today's podcast episode is going to cover these things. Okay, so reason number one why we should pray and fast for Israel. Um. If we become arrogant concerning Israel, then the scriptures warn us that we too will be cut off. All right? So this is a warning to Gentile believers that we should not become arrogant towards Israel. All right? And this is um, found most prominently in Romans 11. I'm going to read some of these verses. Starting verse 17, it says this, If some of the branches have been broken off, and I should set up the analogy first. Okay, so Paul's speaking about a tree of life metaphor. Okay, and Jesus uses this type of metaphor also in John 15. He talks about, I am the vine, you are the branches, right? He says, every branch in me bears fruit. Every branch that does not bear fruit is cut off and thrown into the fire. Okay, Paul's utilizing that same metaphor. Okay, and the idea is that Jesus is the root of, Okay, he's the the source from which the nutrients and everything flow into the rest of the plant. We are the branches, and we can't survive unless we're connected to that root. Okay, and what Paul's talking about is that God has hardened much of the nation of Israel. Okay, except for the remnant, the the believing remnant of Israel continues to be faithful. These are Messianic Jews, Jews that believe that Jesus is the Messiah. All right, this is the faithful remnant of Israel, but most of the Israelite nation has been partially hardened. This is Paul's argument in Romans 9 through 11. And because of that, they're cut off of the, the vine of Christ. Okay, And what happens is that other branches have been grafted on. And he's talking about them as the Gentiles. 
Okay, the Gentile believers. Okay, so this is what we talk about. If some branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, Branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and the sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature, and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, branches be grafted into their own olive tree. Okay, so there's a very clear warning here from Paul to Gentile believers that we must not become arrogant towards the Jewish branches. Now, the, the bad thing is that we did and we have become arrogant. All right, if you're familiar with history, what you should understand is that for many Jews, they consider Christians their greatest persecutors throughout history. Okay, now I think there's a debate to be had there, but you know, when we look at the history of especially Europe, what we can see is that there was widespread persecution against the Jewish people, and a lot of it was justified through Christian belief. Okay, a lot of it was justified by these these are these are Christ haters. These are people that turn people away from Jesus, right? These are the people that reject the gospel and they corrupt civilization with all types of sin, all this kind of stuff. And um, there was this incredible persecution that came on the Jewish people from those who identified as Christians, okay? And it's not just fake Christians, although I would say that most of those are fake Christians. But even, you know, even heroes of the faith like Martin Luther, um, John Chrysostom, Justin Martyr, these are, you know, great leaders throughout history, um, said many anti-Semitic thing and showed a lot of arrogance towards the Jewish people. And I think it's a big reason why there was um, great grace was lifted off of the church in various seasons of the church. And it's how we treat the Jewish people. And even today, there's a lot of teaching out there about how the church has replaced Israel, that we are the true Israel. And I, I just think this is a misunderstanding. This is a, 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 a fatal misunderstanding of what the scriptures actually say. Okay, in the New Testament, when the scriptures are speaking about Israel, generally speaking, they're speaking about the nation of Israel. I encourage all believers to study Romans 11. We're going to talk through a number number of passages here in Romans 11 because it directly deals with a lot of this. But God's plans for Israel remain. Okay, we have not become the new Israel in the sense that we've replaced all of God's plans for Israel. That is simply not true. Okay, we've been grafted into the vine of Christ as Gentile believers. So we share in the in the blessings and the destiny of Israel, but Israel has its own separate blessings and destiny. Okay? And Paul is very explicit about this, okay? That Israel remains chosen by God. They remain beloved by God because of the patriarchs, because God's promise that he shows favor to a thousand generations of those who love him. And he's speaking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that they were faithful, but also the faithful ones throughout 
Israelite history, Moses and David, right? God shows favor to their children, their children's children, okay, unto a thousand generations. So we should understand that God's purposes for Israel remain. And that's really what we're praying and fasting for, to understand what God's purposes are, but not just to understand it, but to carry his heart for the nation of Israel, okay? So first of all, reason number one, if we become arrogant towards them, we as Gentile branches will be cut off from the vine of Christ. That is a warning to us. and We should not um, dismiss easily any warning that the scripture gives us. Okay, do not dismiss these warnings. All right, reason number two, Israel is God's wife. Okay, Israel is God's wife. I know this is kind of a mystery to us. It's hard for us to understand, okay? But look, the metaphor that is set up in Scripture is that God married Israel, and then God's son Jesus married the church. And there's two different relationships there that are both very important, okay? I think a lot of times for us, as Gentile believers, we tend to see it as, well, God married Israel and then divorced her, and it's over. They have no relationship, I want to say, no, that's not true, okay? There are talks about divorce, and there are talks about judgment, obviously, but there's lingering promises. I think the best way to understand it is that Israel sinned greatly against the Lord, and so God sent her away, exiled her separation, but he promised to always bring her back again. Okay, and those promises remain because of what we see in the New Testament in Romans 9 through 11 specifically that God continues to have plans. So we should not understand that God is done with Israel. He is not done with Israel. All right, I want to read a passage from Ezekiel 36 to illustrate this point. Okay, this is um, Ezekiel 36, starting with verse 16. It says this, Again, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, when the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by their conduct and their actions. And their conduct was like a woman's monthly uncleanness in my sight. So I poured out my wrath on them because they had shed blood in the land, because they had defiled it with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations, and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. And wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name, for it was said of then these are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave his land. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws." Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. Okay, this is the promise that is given to Israel, okay? That even though God cast them out amongst the nations, and there's been two of these exiles. The first is the Babylonian exile, and that's, you know, the one is in Ezekiel's time, the Babylonian exile. All right, um, and then there's the second, which is the great diaspora, which is in after um, AD 70 when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and the, and the nation of Israel was scattered amongst the nations for 2,000 years, okay? Until 1948, they were reconstituted in the land of Israel, all right? But this promise has not yet fully been given to the people of Israel, okay? It's been fulfilled in part. The nation has been brought back to the land, but... The rest of it, okay, and this is, this. you have to understand, these prophecies are the prophecies that we rely on heavily in the church, right? When we talk about the giving of the Spirit, that's what it's talking about here, 
Okay? This is one of the promises of the Holy Spirit, and it's given to the nation of Israel. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Okay? This is the promise that's given to Israel. All right? It's a glorious promise, and there's many that are like it, right? When we're talking about like Isaiah around chapter 2, right? Um, and, the, and the nations will no longer go to war, right? But they'll, you know, this, they'll come to Israel, they'll come to Mount Zion, the law of the Lord will go out from Jerusalem, right? These, these promises that are given with an exalted position for Israel, and all of these promises are going to be fulfilled, and that's what we're praying for. This is what we're praying for. We're praying for Israel to receive the Spirit right? That the new heart and the new spirit we give into the entire nation of Israel, okay? And we should understand this because in the New Testament, it clarifies for us that Israel today has been hardened in part just for a certain time period and for a certain purpose, okay? They've been hardened in part so that um, the Gentiles can come in. And once the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, then Israel will be driven to jealousy and they'll desire the spirit and all the things they were promised as they see it being given to the Gentile nations. Okay? And then Israel will desire it and long for it and then all Israel will be saved. Okay? So Romans eleven twenty eight says, as far as the gospel is concerned, they, speaking of Israel, are enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For the God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. All right? And this is the idea that the promises still remain because of the patriarchs. So we should understand that um, we're not to become arrogant towards them and that Israel is still beloved by God. And so we're to have the Lord's heart for Israel and to desire that Israel come into her full redemption, into her full restoration. All right, this is because this is important to the Lord's heart. Okay, it's important to the Lord's heart. All right, so that's reason number two. Okay, reason number three is that we as Gentile believers owe Israel a debt of gratitude. Okay, we as Gentile believers owe Israel a debt of gratitude. Okay, in Paul's day, he went on his missionary trips and he collected money for the church in Jerusalem. Okay, and he gives his rationale for this. Okay, this is Romans chapter 15, verse 26. He says this, For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. Okay, this is what Paul says. Okay, this isn't Old Testament, this is New Testament. He's speaking to Gentile believers. He's saying, you owe the Jews. Why? Because you share in the Jews' spiritual blessings. All right? In Galatians, or chapter 3, chapter 4, something like that, it talks about how Christ became a curse so that the blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentile nations. All right? We have shared in the blessings that were given to the Jewish people because of the gospel. And because of that, we owe a debt of gratitude to the Jewish people. And Paul specifically says it should be monetary, that we should financially be giving to the Israelites. All right? And specifically, they took an offering to care for the poor in Jerusalem amongst God's people. Meaning, so sp- this is speaking of Messianic Jews right, who are poor, that Gentile believers should be financially invested in caring for them. All right? So from the biblical perspective, we owe them a debt of gratitude. And this is the truth, just, just rationally speaking. Okay? 
when we as Gentile believers, you know, when we look at who are the ones who blessed us, it's 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 Jews, okay, and that blessing has been passed down through the through the the generations. But we're, thinking, we're speaking about people like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Moses. Obviously, Jesus was a Jew, right? The apostles, okay? These are the ones who passed down faith through the generations, okay? And that has been passed down and then to us, okay? In a long chain of blessing. And, and we owe all the, everyone in that chain, we owe, okay? Everyone in that chain, we owe. But we should understand that the blessing was given to Israel and we Gentiles have shared in the, in the Israelite blessing, okay? That's at least how the Bible understands it. All right, so we should be praying for Israel, but we should also be financially blessing Israel. All right, and the last reason, reason number four, okay, why we should be praying and fasting for Israel is that when Israel is saved, the whole world will be greatly blessed. Okay, when Israel is saved, the whole world will be greatly blessed. Right now, there's a remnant of believing Jews, okay, but a relatively small number. Most Jews do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah and they are not saved. Okay, so we should understand, Scripture says, but all Israel will be saved. All right, so Romans 11, again, verse 11 says this, Paul says, again, I ask, did they, speaking of Israel, stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? Okay, so Paul is saying that Israel was hardened in part, and that hardening resulted in blessing for the Gentile nations, the gospel going forth to the Gentile nations. But he says, if they're hardening, if their disobedience brought blessings to the Gentile nations, how much more will their full inclusion bring? And that's because Israel's going to play a role in blessing the rest of the nations, okay? And that role is going to be greatly increased and expanded when Israel comes to know Jesus as Messiah. That's the promise, okay? He goes on in verse 30. He says, I'm talking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if the rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Okay, he's, he's making the same analogy again in another way. If their rejection, the rejection of Israel brought reconciliation to God for the rest of the world, all the other nations were now invited into the covenant of relationship with the Lord. Okay, what will their acceptance be? It's going to be, it's going to be like life from the dead. And, and it's giving a picture of the entire world being resurrected. Okay, and again, the analogy there is that the world is dead right now. And it's going to come back to life when Israel assumes its rightful place. Okay, when Israel is restored, it's going to bring great blessing on the rest of the world. And this is a promise. Okay, later on in the chapter, in verse 25, he says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not become, become conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles come in, and in this way, all Israel will be saved. And so he's prophesying that right now, only a remnant of Israel is saved. But one day in the future, all of Israel is going to be saved. Okay, and we know this because there are prophecies given to Israel throughout the Bible that talk about this, okay? One of the big ones is Zechariah chapter 12, all right? Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10 says this, And I will pour out on the house of David and the the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication, and they will look on me 
the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. This is such a beautiful promise, right? They will look on the one that they have pierced and they will grieve bitterly, right? There's going to be great repentance in Israel, right? They're going to realize how they rejected their own Messiah. And it's going to bring repentance and grace, right? And grace. There's going to be revelation and understanding. And this is, um, you know, the promise, the promise that they're going to be restored. And it's such a beautiful promise. It really, you know, moves my heart, speaks to my heart about everything that's going to happen, okay? Um, but this is something that we're called to pray for. Right, so this is my encouragement um, for us Gentile believers. Develop a heart for the nation of Israel. It's important, okay? It's important to the Lord. God has preordained that Israel be restored before the world can be fully restored, all right? So this should be something that is, you know, important to us as believers. And the, and the good news is that there's good signs that, you know, more Jews have been saved in the past hundred years than in all the centuries prior to that combined, okay? There is a move that has been happening amongst the Jewish people. Many more Jews are coming to know Jesus as Messiah. That's a wonderful thing. So we should support those that are doing outreach to the Jewish people, and we should lovingly pray, financially bless. Let's support Messianic synagogues. Let's support um, Jewish believers in Jesus and what they're doing. Um, they're they're playing a really important role, and as as Gentile believers, man, let's come in humility. Let's not act as though you know we're superior to the Jewish people. I would say this, but you know, Romans eleven is warning us not to become arrogant towards the Jews, and it's easy for us. I've heard so many, you know, I've heard so many teachings uh, and people say in sermons or in Bible studies and say like, yeah, you know, the Jews they were so. And they're so stubborn and so sinful and so dumb. Like, what was their problem? And just having a very arrogant mentality towards them. Um, but the truth is this. You know, when Paul talks about this, he says, the Lord is consigned all over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on all. And he's speaking about nations. Okay, that all nations have been disobedient. In Romans 1, Paul talks about how God disinherited the nations, right? He gave the nations over to their sin because they started worshiping created beings. They started worshiping idols, and they did not consider the knowledge of God valuable enough to be held on to. And this is the idea that from no, from from Noah, Noah had the knowledge of God. He knew God. And he passed down the knowledge of God to his children, his children's children. And those children's children multiplied and they became nations. And then the nations, somewhere along the line, forgot about God. They stopped worshiping him alone and they started worshiping other created beings. And therefore, God gave them over to their sin. Okay? And this happened, this is all the nations were unfaithful, which is why there, there was such brokenness and sin abounded all over the earth. And what, um, and, 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 Israel was taken as his own, and Israel has been passing down the knowledge of God for thousands of years, okay? For 4,000 years since Abraham, okay? They've been passing down the knowledge of God. And let's compare that. You know, America, you know, we were extremely Christian a couple generations ago, and we're very, uh, you know, (laughs) come on, we've rebelled against the Lord just like we see the nation of Israel rebelling against the Lord um, in the book of Kings, right, in the book of Chronicles, right, and we see the history of how, like, God saves them, and then a couple generations down, they've forgotten about the Lord, and they're worshiping other gods and stuff like that. That's exactly describing what's happening in America now. I'm, you know, I'm half Korean. Koreans have, you know, in two generations, 
have largely apostatized from the Lord. And so Jews have been doing this for thousands of years, right? The idea that we're so much better at this than the Jews, no way, no way, okay? We're all unfaithful. If any of us, you know, if God had chosen any other nation, it's not like any other nation would have done better, okay? It's very difficult. It's very difficult to pass down the knowledge of God throughout the generations, okay? And so we just have to have, you know, humility, right? Because we stand by faith, okay? We stand because we trust in the Lord. Um, but if we grow arrogant, man, God absolutely can cut us off, all right? Okay, I hope that's helpful. Those are those are four reasons why we should pray and fast for Israel. I want to encourage everybody. If you're not fasting with us, consider joining. Okay, even if it's a even if it's a small fast. All right, consider joining with us and start praying for the nation of Israel. That's how we develop a heart for these things. Right, start to pray because God has a plan for Israel. He loves Israel. God loves Israel. They are the children's children's children of of men and women who pleased his heart so much. And he understands these are their progeny, right? Their children. And because of that, he shows favor and he remembers the faithfulness of their forefathers, right? And he longs to show mercy on them. And so with that heart, Father, we pray right now for the nation of Israel. They would come to know you in fullness, Lord, that they would look upon the one they have pierced, Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua, Hamashiach, that they would know Jesus as the true Messiah, and that you would restore them, Lord, to their rightful place, Lord God. Father, we pray for the full restoration of Israel. We pray for the protection of the nation of Israel against every threat. Let no weapon against them prosper, O Lord. But Father, we pray that you would raise up evangelists and missionaries, Lord God. Father, that you'd bring awakening to leaders in the Jewish community. Father, we pray, Lord God, for the a spirit of wisdom and revelation to be upon the nation of Israel, that they would know you, the Son of God and the Son of Man, the Son of David, Jesus, the rightful Messiah, the rightful King of Israel. Lord, we say, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, God bless you.